This season of Crazy Sexy Food is sponsored by KeyJays. KeyJays is an independent family-run business that has been making speciality sauces for professional chefs and home cooks like myself since 1985. KeyJays first launched with its goldfish brand Curry Sauce Concentrates. More recently, they launched Taste KeyJays of Suffolk. Inspired by travels to wonderful destinations around the world, these are six authentic, quick and easy cook-in sauces and four Asian-inspired squeezy sauces. My particular favourites are the Spanish tomato sauce with its added paprika, as well as the Thai po chili sauce to rev up my meals. Order my favourites as well as the whole collection from keyjayssources.co.uk. That's K-E-E-J-A-Y-S sources.co.uk. Hello and welcome to Crazy Sexy Food. I'm your host, Hannah Harley-Young. I'm interested not only in food, but the people behind the food and the stories behind the people. Each episode, I sit down and talk all things food with well-known personalities, industry insiders, and people who, well, just love their food. Today, I'm joined by Josh Franceschi, the frontman of the UK's biggest and most prolific rock band, You, Me, At Six. The band's huge following spans into the millions on various social media platforms, They've had a UK number one album and four top 10 records. Their sellout tour last year saw them perform around the country. And although live music is somewhat on hiatus at the moment, the guys have been very busy this year. In January 2021, they released their new album, Sucker Punch, which has been tipped as their most ambitious yet by Enemy magazine. It was recorded in Thailand, BC, before COVID, at a time that the band were going through some emotional and challenging times. More on this in a bit. I'm lucky enough to have had a sneak peek and I already have my favourites lined up. The guys are huge foodies like myself, so it only seemed right to get the main man onto the podcast for a chat. Josh, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Sorry, we got there in the end. We've had some uh, a few technical issues, but it's fine. We have we have special Steve Jobs impersonators with us on on online. Yeah. <laughs> How are you? How you been? Yeah, good, thank you. How about yourself? Yeah, yeah. You know, just rolling with the punches, taking uh, each day as it comes. Yeah. I'm a bit fed up, if I'm honest, but you know, it is what it is. For sure. What did you have for breakfast this morning? I haven't, I haven't had breakfast yet. <gasps> Just, uh, Are you going to? Um, well, we've, we've sort of gone past breakfast hours now, haven't we? I think I've had a coffee and I've had a run, so I think that'll do me to have lunch. Oh, okay. Are you? Yeah. Are you? Are you a runner? Not a good one. Um, but I just I, because obviously all the gyms and everything's closed at the moment, and I can't play football or go boxing, so I've just been. I want to try and stay on top of uh, some sort of routine. Plus, I find that like it's it's good for my sort of my spirit, if that makes sense. Like I feel, yeah, better, totally. I feel better mentally when I've done some exercise and got got the endorphins going and that. So yeah, yeah, I'm a runner too. Well, <laughs> I say I'm a runner, like I'm like some professional athlete. I I ran the the London Marathon last year, Amazing. and I've got this like weird mental block this year I think I've been mentally scarred and I can't run like more than five kilometers now like literally can't go past my body just stops shit yeah it's weird 
No, and it's just, I don't know, I think I've kind of like sucked the enjoyment out of it. But anyway, obviously it's been a bit of a year. Has that kind of compromised your inspiration to write music or have you kind of managed to find ways to create? Like, how's it gone for you? Um, There's been like ups and downs, I think. There's been like periods of time in which I've been quite active and been in the studio and done loads of sessions and been writing and journaling you know every day and there's some days I'm especially at the beginning I think the beginning of this whole like absolute meltdown of a year sort of like taking it as like a weird vacation Uh, and so I was like all right cool I'm gonna just start drinking at midday and watch surviving R Kelly because that's normal you know what I mean like it was that sort of thing and you know and then I just kind of snapped out of that and more, I got basically told to snap out of it. Um, and then I realised that it was really important to get like a sort of a healthy routine on the go. Um, and so that did include, you know, being active artistically and sort of putting some of my, you know, thoughts and feelings down one way or the other. But yeah, I mean, I'm in the studio right now um, with the lads and it's like, you know, we're trying to get something going it's just difficult. I think it's, as I said, some days that we get we get into it and we're like, yeah, we're on a roll and things feel really good and feel like we're sort of where we want to be going. And other days I'm sort of like, nah, this is just, this is just a car crash today. So it's, yeah, depends. And I think that's okay. I think yeah. you've just got to like allow yourself a bit of a break with that as well and just not put too much pressure on like trying to like be happy and like great every single day because... It's, I just don't think that's achievable right now. No, of course. Like, there's also like this, we have like, as like part of the human condition, we have this slight obsession with like happiness and, and the pursuit of it. And like happiness is like more destination than it is anything else. And it's, it's not attainable, you know, 365 days a year. And I think being at peace with the fact that, you know, you, you kind of, you have to go through those those droughts of happiness to then sort of really um, not just enjoy them and not necessarily just like appreciate them, but to recognise them for that, you know. So it's like I'm totally I'm totally cool with being you know in a bit bad mood or feeling low because I I know that it's a it's it's good for my writing and b that it's it's part of being a human being. You know, it's not realistic to be to feel good all the time. So yeah, I'm not I don't I don't get too bogged down with it. I want to just take it a little bit back to your childhood. You were born in Surrey. Can you kind of like paint the picture for me? What was life like growing up? Who was cooking? What were you eating? Was food important in your family? Like, just sort of like, give me the story. Sure. Well, I mean, so I kind of, my upbringing was interesting in the sense that I spent some of my life living in Cyprus, like the early, early years. Whereabouts? Uh, Limassol. I've been to Limassol. Yeah, so I was, I was yeah, there. It's beautiful. Yeah, it is. It's really nice. But I obviously, I was quite young at the time. I was only like, I think four till six. I lived there, and then the rest of my life, like, grew up in in Weybridge, Surrey. Um, but you know, my dad's Corsican, so like, kind of food is is kind of like the heart and the soul of any Mediterranean family. You know, it's the thing that kind of brings everybody together. Um, and my mum was 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 always the the one cooking. My dad would come down for like those rogue meals, you know, where he'd like just chuck out a paella on a Wednesday night, and we'd all be like, Casual. "What's going on here?" 
Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, f- food, food, and and meal times were always important enough in the Franceschi household because it was like we always sat at the table in like in the the dining room or whatever. Yeah, I mean it's not really dining room, but the point being that like we always made a conscious effort to sit at the table. And like that's we'd sit there sometimes like an hour and a half, two hours talking, and that was really, really healthy. And that, again, that kind of stems from that Mediterranean um, vibe we got going on. And I think it taught me from an early age that there was a relationship with food and experiencing that together and sharing that, um, and it being a, a place in which people sort of, you know, dissected their day or their thoughts and their feelings. So even from a very early age, I was quite used to being quite um being quite open and transparent with my parents and and them in turn also being that way with me and my sister so yeah it, it sent like a really nice president for like the rest of my life really um my childhood and the relationship that we had with with you know dinner time and it being real family time and there being like real conversation going on so yeah I think that's really important. I was also raised like that, where you sort of sat down, sort of, as you said, like dissected your day, dissected what was on your mind, like everything was covered. I do think that is quite like a European thing to do. Like I have a lot of friends who didn't sit down with their families and that was quite foreign to me. Mm. Um, And so who was cooking? Like what give, like what sort of things were you eating on like a regular basis aside from like your dad's rogue paella? (laughs) Um, Well, yes, it was, it was was my mum basically did, did all the cooking. Um, My dad was also away quite a lot. So with work, so it was really kind of my mum, my sister and me for large portions of it. Um, But it was interesting. It was never like, it was always like fresh food um fresh vegetables um and you know meat wasn't really like like I've been vegan for like five six years now but it's interesting that even when I was young like meat wasn't really like there wasn't meat with every meal it wasn't like the staple of of any meal it was about the vegetables and like and salads and sort of good carbohydrates and you know I think growing up there was sort of like you know whenever my mum would be like right tonight you got salmon and vegetables I'd be like oh here we go and then when it was you know tuna pasta bake that was a good day it was not always a good day (laughs) but it was never like um it was never like fish fingers and chips you know that sort of yeah it it wasn't that it was always like my mum would go in and and that was it it was there was even regardless of how tired she was or you know how, how much work she had going on she would always make sure that we were eating fresh fruit fresh vegetables every day um, and so I was really lucky in that sense that A, we were in a position to do that and B, that she had the desire to, to put that together. So, yeah, um, it was interesting because obviously I, then I'd go to school and like school lunches would be, I'd have a packed lunch, but like I'd see what my mates were eating. I was like, I don't know how a sliced pizza every day with some baked beans and chips is like really a vibe, but, you know, fair play. Um and uh, yeah, that was always like that sort of stuff and like fizzy drinks, which is something that just didn't really happen in my house either. It would be more like juice or just water, to be honest. It wasn't, yeah, in that sense, like we had a pretty a pretty healthy relationship with food as well. It wasn't just eating for the sake of eating. It was eating for, to try and get nutrients and out of stuff. So, um, yeah. 
I feel like you and I grew up in the same household. Everything that you said is li- literally, it was like tuna pasta bake was like the, the best night of the week. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Most of the time. I, was... I also wasn't allowed crisps. I was only yeah. allowed one packet of crisps a week. Yeah, it just wasn't a thing. Like crisps, like yeah. snacks wasn't really a thing. Yeah. Um, which is crazy because now I'm older, I'm like, where the snacks at? But, you know, yeah. when I was a kid, it was sort of like, I'd have my cereal in the morning, I'd have my packed lunch, come home and about six o'clock I have dinner and that was it. And there wasn't really like this thing of eating loads in between meals. So I yeah, probably yeah, know yeah. why I was so fat as a kid. It doesn't really make much sense, but <laughs> I don't know what that was about. It was probably just like, you know, that puppy fat. But I mean, listen, I was a bit of a chubby kid as well, so it is what it is. Yeah. So you formed the band uh, in 2004. Um, and you are all childhood friends. What's it like working with your mates? It's a weird one, you know, because like, obviously I I'm, like, I didn't go to school with any of them. None of us went to the same schools. It was only really in college that the other four, like we're seeing each other on a daily basis. But other than that, we were like, I think it was like 15, 16. And we were definitely 15. And like, I met Max in a mosh pit at a local gig. And he was like wearing this this shirt from this record label that I liked. So we just started chatting. And I think that night we started a band, you know, it was that kind of vibe. Like it wasn't, there was nothing else to it other than, oh, you like the same sort of music I do. Met Matt through a similar sort of situation. Chris Chris lived next door to Matt. And and then Dan was brought in when the lads were at Brooklyn's College. And so pretty much since like 16, 17, these guys have been like in, well, they are my life you know like every sort of move we all make is based around this band um and until like a year like this year um it's almost been weird being back in the street like we decided to do like lockdown volume two kind of together and so we just kind of made a decision that you know we wanted to be productive but it was also like this is the the first time this year that I've seen these guys like every day you know and that's what I'd been used to so it's been a strange thing in that sense but yeah I mean when you start a band with people when you're you know 15 16 and you're now all in your 30s it's um it's been a long time you know we're celebrating our 15th year next year which is kind of mad that we've just been doing it that long um so we've essentially grown up from really from boys to men um and named for a good band (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) um so yeah we've 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 done we've done we've done the dance a few times you know and was music always on the cards for you? Like when you were growing up, did you was that always what you wanted to do with yourself? Um, to be honest, I think that I didn't really have a like a passion for anything. And then I used to watch my sister play. Um, when I was playing video games, she'd be like in the in the lit TV room, like playing piano and like singing next to me. And I was just kind of like, I just liked the freedom that she had with having an instrument in her life that both singing as well, but having a piano and being able to sit down and do that. I was like, she's getting something out of this that is like quite liberating. And so that's when I started learning the guitar. Um, And to be honest, there was no point during either secondary school or college that I had like a plan for anything else. I didn't really know, like many kids, like I didn't really know what I what I wanted to be. I was still trying to figure out who I who I who I was, you know, and, and what I was about. Um, to be honest, the band just kind of happened. 
you know, like it wasn't this thing of let's start a band, we're going to get famous, oh, we're going to get signed, we're, you mm. know, we'll start touring. It was just sort of like we were doing it and we all just loved doing it and we didn't, I don't think any of us ever really thought we were going to make a career out of it, but it was more like a thing of I got to the end of my first year of college and I was like, oh, man, that place sucks. I don't want to go back there. Um, they're not my people. And an opportunity came around where we are like, well, we've got a little bit of momentum with the band. Why not just give it a go? What's the worst that can happen? A year later, I'll go back to college if it doesn't work. And I never went back. So, um, yeah, I'm not one of those those kids that was like, yeah, I had trials at West Ham, you know, or the classic sort of stereotype of I was going to yeah. be a footballer, or I was going to be this. I didn't have anything really. And then music just kind of came into my life. But when it came into my life, it just took over my life. And like in during that year, the last, my last year of secondary school, my first year of college, I was just obsessed with like being the best and biggest local band and like being the only band from our area to, you know, I was like, we've got to go and play gigs in Scotland and Manchester because we've got to be like that band, you know? And we all just kind of became obsessed with it. And yeah, next thing you know, we're getting like mega buses up to Aberdeen and sleeping on the floor of the venue after a gig and being 16, you know, like doing Amazing. that. And so we had Do you know what's nice of, as well is that, I mean, I'm not, I'm not obviously talking for every new band or who or musician sort of breaking out now, but it's, it's nice to hear like about the or, or, organicness of how you guys formed I think mm. these days there's a big generation that are kind of coming through the machine and it's just, it, it's how it sort of like fell into place. It's nice. I like it. Yeah. It's, it's, look, it's, it's for me, it's the romantic way of doing it, yeah. you know, and it's like not necessarily earning your stripes. And, and in that sense, I mean, I have no, I have no qualms with, with this generation now that are getting signed because they've got a big following on TikTok mm. or Instagram or a YouTubers going, gone rappers, you know, like, it, their journey is their journey but I tell you what there is something quite character building about being uh not only individually but collectively like having that that period of time where you have absolutely nothing but at the same time you have everything um and I kind of I'm kind of relieved in a sense that our our inception um happened pre- social media to be oh honest. my god I say this all yeah. the time I don't yeah. think I would have survived my teens with social media let alone starting a band like you did yeah <laughs> well yeah because I think because then the focus is on the wrong thing the focus totally. is on you know music and the relationship with music and an audience is that, that human connection and that relationship and I think if you're more focused on taking good pictures for the gram or coming off stage and diving straight back into the social media world and that sort of shit, you're missing out on like those rare and beautiful moments where you're connecting with people after a gig, you know, outside your van, signing stuff or taking pictures or having some beers or whatever. And then being like, right guys, we got to go because we've got a three hour drive to our, to our travel lodge. And then we've got a four hour drive in the morning and all this sort of stuff. Like those are the things that you then start finding out how badly you want it. But I mean, our thing was, we just liked the idea of, not having to go to uni, to be honest. And all, like <laughs> the band in itself was like a vehicle of escaping the sort of stereotype next step, you know, yeah. the logical next step, which is you go to college, you go to uni, you get your degree, you get your job, 
you meet your partner, you get a house, you get your kids on the go, whatever. And it's like, fuck, I'm, I'm not really up for that. You know, yeah. like I'm not, yeah. It didn't appeal to any of us. The, the adventure side of it, like even if the adventure was, I mean, there's a story, we, we, one of the first tours we ever did, I booked through MySpace. So I guess we were- Oh, MySpace. Of, God, I yeah. loved MySpace. <laughs> I guess we kind of were like involved in social media in some capacity, but MySpace was sort of like, I don't know when I look back on it now and compare it to what we have now. It's, yeah. I feel like it, there is a difference. But um, And we booked a gig in Newport, Wales, at a venue called TJ's, and we went up and played this gig. I think I was yeah I was sixteen. The rest of the lads were seventeen, and um, there was four people at the gig, if that. Um, and then the deal with the venue is that you can there's like a flat upstairs that you can sleep at, um, and in the flat there's a TV, but on the TV all it shows is CCTV. So we're like five like teenagers just with a few bottles of white lightning watching the madness going on downstairs in this now club night you know, which is, is a, it's a bar club thing, that a venue club thing. And it's all kicking off. And I remember just being like, the only thing separating us from that scraffle downstairs is this one random door that doesn't really have a lock on it coming into this flat, you know, like, you know, all sleeping in sleeping bags on the floor and doing that sort of stuff. Like, I think it then, it, it, it consolidates the identity of, of what's important. And what's important is kind of just like, experiencing that stuff and I think it shaped us really for the the next stages of our career that you know built and built just bringing it back to the food a second I know that you mentioned you are a vegan and you have been for like five six years why did you decide to take that route in life (laughs) yeah um so I was with a girl at the time that was um pescatarian and it just sort of started off with that and then I think, you know, as time went on, I went pescatarian, vegetarian, vegan. It's not like I woke up one day and went, that's it. You know, I'm cutting everything out. It was a gradual thing. And so then I think, like, I I just, I kind of got to a point where I couldn't ignore the stuff I was watching about animal agriculture and I guess the relationship between that and climate change. And, and I think... Um, I'm a, I'm I'm not one of those I'm not one of those preachy vegans like they do my nut in even though we're kind of on the same side I think people should be allowed to make their choice and but I also think what's been really healthy for example in, in our band's dynamic or even our family in my family's dynamic is that I've, we've now got what another, I've got another vegetarian in our band now and probably the other three would mainly eat vegetarian food in comparison to eating meat every day and it's just it's about allowing people to make their decision if if they're on that sort of, of side of it um but also if, if you're not going to completely stop eating meat just maybe not having it seven days a week you know having it three four days a week mm-hmm. and i think it's just that relationship with on the other side of it i think having an animal helps i have you know having a dog i'm like i know i, I don't see the people kind of separate the two things but I look at my dog and I'm like well that's an animal and I know the relationship I have with that animal so I've for the last five six years I've had that relationship with all animals on every level I'm like well you know you've got to sort of nurture that and and sort of promote animals being able to live in their natural habitat and us not sort of 
putting them in these animal farms and you know essentially raising them raising livestock just to kill them so there's there's that sort of there's that for me but at the same time I'm like you know I understand why it's difficult for for there to be a complete overhaul in society and people's relationship with food and I think you know I've got my partner isn't isn't vegetarian or isn't vegan and but she'll eat mainly she basically eats vegan with me and then if we go out to a restaurant she'll be like I'm going to have the seafood linguine. I'm like, that's, you know, that's what you want to do, do it sort of mm. thing. So I think it's just about maybe people having a slight, maybe a slightly more cohesive and like more well-rounded respect for the livestock and how it's got there. And again, for me, it is the, you know, you look at animal culture and, you know, the deforestation and sort of the, uh, the emissions of gas that are going into the environment. Um, it's it's not something that is like a conspiracy like it is happening so um i'm glad that we've got that big baby out of out of that big white house because i think to ignore climate change <laughs> yeah. and not take it seriously i'm not saying animal agriculture is the only thing that contributes to it of course it's not but it's definitely one of the biggest contributors so i think that's a pretty pretty strong argument for why it's not the worst thing in the world for people to to, to try and um, bring that into their diet you know no totally interestingly like even for me obviously I care and I read and research a lot about you know what's going on in the world yeah. actually for me my choice in terms of how I eat so I just eat v- very little meat these days like in moderation but I'd yeah. be I'd, I'd happily also give it up if I had to and and perhaps maybe I will go down that route my issue with myself turning vegan and you're probably just going to laugh and just think I'm just another one of these whatevers um I'm going to find it really difficult to give up eggs Okay. Yeah, it's it's, it's like, that's a egg. really big part of my diet. Yeah, it's either eggs or cheese. Seems to be. Yeah, I mean cheese, but quite frankly, I shouldn't really be eating dairy anyway because it doesn't do wonders for my skin. But um, or my tummy. Um, but the eggs is a really difficult one, mm. and I can't seem to like get out of it. <laughs> yeah, I hear that. It's you know it's weird. It's never it's whenever I have these conversations with my friends or family or extended family or whatever it's never oh, i just can't see myself giving up beef it's never that it's mm. never that conversation a lot of people that i talk to on a level will be like you know oh well i find it hard being on a holiday and you know not having fish that's caught that day you know or um you know i, I find it difficult giving up cheese because i like having cheese on one or uh, have a middle class yeah. but you know like it, it is what it is but like it's very rare that thing of like, oh, I just fucking love chicken. I won't be able to give up chicken. I love going to KFC. It's never that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, yeah. Um, yeah, it's an interesting one. I think a lot of it's personal choice. And I think also, well, it's all personal choice, but it's what works for, for the individual. But I think as a collective and as a society, we do need to sort of wake up to the fact that it's not sustainable, the way things are going. And I feel like meat, should become more of like a luxury um and the way you could do that is you you price it that way you know mm. like I'm, I'm not saying that like only affluent people or, or people with with money should be able to buy meat but i'm saying like the the relationship between 
that being a dead animal and on your plate shouldn't be 199 from you know cottage kitchen or whatever it's called do you know what i mean like i think there's a relationship with with food in which we don't value the livestock involved in it and i think if that happened or you know there was a limit to what people were i mean none of this stuff is ever going to come into play but well at least i don't think so but it's interesting now when you look at stuff like beyond meat for example as a company where a lot of meat eaters are eating those burgers blindly and not knowing that they're they're vegan or plant-based I had my first Beyond Meat burger two weeks ago. Yeah, what do you think? Um, I actually, re- I actually really liked it. Mm. I thought it was really nice. Um, I mean, it's the closest I've ever got to eating something that was meat-free that was meant to look and taste and feel like meat. Um, I'd buy it again happily. Because mm. again, it's that thing I find sometimes that like, it's. It's like that will always come up like, oh, it doesn't taste the same, it doesn't have the same texture, it's not this, it's not that. But I think most people will, will put their hands up and go, Yeah, I don't like the idea that I'm eating an yeah. animal. Like I don't yeah. that doesn't make me feel good on a conscious level, but yeah. like on a moral level or an ethical level. But it's you know, how do I replace that texture, that taste, or you know, whatever? And like now that we're in this period of time where there's so many kind of like other options coming through that are starting to match up. You know, that could be a really interesting shift, I think. Um, But it's actually interesting what you said about, you know, just talking about money. You know, you can go to a chicken cottage and you can get something for one pound. But actually, like, just those Beyond Meat burgers were actually quite expensive for what they were. So there needs to be a shift as well on the other side. side, Because if you really want to attract, you know, the, the mass population... Hmm. you're you're still pricing it at a level that people are not going to even have a second look at that right because yeah, five yeah. pounds for or whatever it was for two patties when next to it you could just get the real meat for hmm. two pounds fifty you know like for a lot of people it's a no-brainer 100 couldn't agree more it's it, what's weird is that actually being a vegan sometimes when i go shopping i'm like how is this vegan cheese more expensive yeah. than normal cheese? Yeah. Uh, you know, it is one of those things like it doesn't really make too much sense. So I think you're spot on. There's definitely a disproportion in terms of, you know, what people are paying for it versus. And I don't know whether that's because that's, again, something that we've just been. It's a generational thing where it's it's been, I'm, it's been priced that way for so long that. You know, if if say the vegan option or vegetarian option was less expensive than the meat option, what would that look like? You mm. know, so I think there's work a hundred percent to be done on both sides. Um, I think that's a really valid point and one I completely agree with and recognise to be, you know, completely true. Yeah, a couple of years ago, you guys did a collaboration with Temple of Satan, um, where yeah. you created a vegan kebab pop-up called You Me at Sheesh, which was a brilliant play on words, may I say. So what were you serving? <laughs> oh, man. So I don't, for those who don't know about Temple of Satan, um, it's my it's my, one of my friends actually from Australia. There's a place over in Australia called Lord of the Fries. And I ah, think, love yeah, it. yeah, so they, they, they kind of, that's kind of their thing. They have a play on words with all the, the Aussies are good at that sort of stuff. And um, so, yeah, Templar Satan, when they brought it over here, was just sort of like, it's basically junk food, fast food. Um, 
but all vegan, plant-based. And um, when we came to the idea of how we wanted to sort of like do like a launch party for the album that was slightly different, you know, that conversation came into play. And um, we ended up doing stuff like uh, just like wraps and burgers and uh, fried chicken and rest of stuff and mac and cheese, but it was all based around new music song titles and stuff, which was cool. Uh, and then we also had like a like a cocktail bar going on with again different drinks that are based around you know Yumi at six um song titles and stuff but it was a cool thing to do and again it, it sort of was um originally we were going to go into like it just like a, a normal kebab and like flip it and like them just serve stuff out there and I was like well you know I think it, I'd like to do if we're going to do this I'd like to do it with my mate and they've got this amazing thing and now they've got one in and they've got a, a temple of Satan in Camden as well. So it's one of those things that's spreading across London. Um, but yeah, there's, there's there's stuff like that all over the gaff, yeah. all over the place. So, What are some of your favourite restaurants, aside from Temple of Satan? <laughs> uh, some of my favourite restaurants. Um, Mildred is, is, is decent. Um, they've got a few of them around town. What the Pitta is always... What's really that? Good. So what the picture is like a vegan doner kebab place. Um, they've got one in, Bo- in all the box parks and they've got one in, um, uh, in, uh, again in Camden. Um, but yeah, really good. There used to be a restaurant in Dawson called Fed by Water, which was... I've been there. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, I live like about 10 minute walk from there and I was absolutely devastated when it closed. I used to go there probably once or twice it's a week. Shot. Yeah, they closed it. Um, oh no! That's probably my favourite, and there was also this really cool uh, vegan Mexican place uh, in Dawson as well, which is closed down. Have you been to uh, what's the place near Shoreditch? Um, oh my, Genesis. Yeah, I've been to Genesis. Yeah, there's a lot, this is it. This is the other thing is living in London. There's a lot of great yeah. sort of like vegan places, and I mean, there's a there's a place I found in Los Angeles called Grassit Gracias oh. Oh my god, it's one of my favorite places in LA. Yeah, yeah, it's sick. So yeah, it's de- oh my god, they do the most amazing cauliflower. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've had it. It's like one of their sort of side or main dishes, and it's like it's obviously been fried a bit, and it's got this sauce on it that is absolutely like off the scale. Yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, I vibe. love it there. Obviously, we have all been at home a lot this year. So, what are some of your specialities? at home <laughs> i'm not a great cook to be perfectly honest with you um i need to get better at that but my girlfriend's very handy in the kitchen but if i am cooking i make like a pretty mean uh vegan spag bowl Ooh, but okay it, it's just because i put about a bottle and a half of wine in there and it <laughs> and I just let it sit there for like an hour and a half two hours do its thing um but yeah i'm good at that um quite good at doing brunches and and like stuff like that but that's just like mexican sort of like health bowls if that's the right way of saying it um like black beans and kidney beans and guac and salsa and all that sort of stuff all the good stuff all the good stuff yeah but it's one of those you know honestly this just sounds bad but living in london for i will probably eat out four or five nights a week yeah and, it, and it's not like a thing of like, I'm going out for like a nice dinner. It'll be like I'm on the move from the studio out to a gig or, you know, I'm going to an event or whatever. Um, so I don't eat 
obviously now since I've been in lockdown, there's been a lot more um, cooking going on in the house, but also a lot of more deliveries. <laughs> yeah. you and me both mate you and me both yeah there's, been a, there's a lot of choices where, where i am so. um obviously i mentioned that the new album is out in january sucker punch and you guys were in thailand recording yeah. that what was that experience like and i'm talking not just about food i'm talking about the whole package yeah no it's a beautiful i'd never been before making this record and i think that was maybe one of the uh the draws to be honest was we've made <laughs> records in We've made obviously a few in England, but we've made two records in Los Angeles, a record in Nashville. And um, when the conversation started about where we'd make the new record, we were like weighing up a few options in the UK. And then somebody was like, well, what about that studio in Thailand called Karma? And a few of our mates bands have recorded there. And, and Max, Matt, I'm sorry, Matt and Dan uh, were friends with um, the son of the owner and there's a few different sort of conversations that were coming together about it. And um, I think we're in a period of, in our lives, like where we needed an escape out of London, to be honest. And I live in Hackney, but there's the lads sort of still live in Surrey. And um, I think everyone was quite keen. Plus it was like October, November. So we're kind of chasing the sun a little bit as well. Um, and yeah, we went there and it was just a very like, it became like this, musical rehab and like a complete utopia for everybody um and yeah just a really i mean if we want to talk about food like we had homemade thai food thai cooking every single day and it was just like from this incredible like uh so the saw who like runs the accommodation and like the running of the studio but she brings in her friends and they'll spend all day cooking whether it's your lunch or your dinner there all day and it always just smells just insane and I remember when we got there, like one of the first things they said was like, you know, we can do traditional Western food or, you know, we were like, don't even dare cook that. Like we want to eat what you would have as authentically day. as possible. Exactly. Like that's part of the experience for us. Yeah. And really the, the Thai people are, are beautiful in terms of just the way they are and the way they make you feel. And, and, and it's that's they're proud of their of their culture and they, and they want to share that with you. And that we felt that on every level, like the studio was in a small little fishing village called Bang Sheree, probably about two and a half, three hours from Bangkok. So we really were middle of nowhere. I mean, we, we could also drive up to Phuket, but for those that have an, uh, an understanding of Thailand, Phuket is like not the one, you know, yeah. like it's, it's like the, um, the red light district of Thailand. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty pretty moody. Yeah, we went. I think we went there. We went. No, we went there once, and we had like a, a hangover esque night, and we were like, "Yeah, we're good now." You know, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like we had a night of just, just debauchery and drinking like buckets of you know Long Island iced tea and you know tripping balls and all that sort of stuff. And we're like, "Yeah." Did it involve any lady boys? No, 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 <laughs> no, no, it didn't. Uh, and yeah, no lady boys. No monkeys, no missing fingers, um, no gang. <laughs> uh, it was so weird because we were walking past this um, this this bar, but in the bar, in the middle of the bar, was this huge boxing ring. It was just like kids like boxing, Jesus. and like, but you'd go in like you were only allowed in if you were a drinking a lot or b betting on, on which kid was going to win fighting. <laughs> and I was like, yes, yeah, see, I'm not really, I'm not really feeling that to be honest. But um, but yeah, for the most part, we just sort of stay in the studio and as I said this small little fishing village which had like two or three restaurants one or two like 
really nice bars or like hotels which had beautiful but there's one hotel particularly we went there pretty much every day for the sunset and the cocktails and as like a, an hour of sort of like we're taking a step back from the studio but for the most part um we were just so living inside that record that um yeah we didn't we had we just enjoyed the people that were around to us or close to us and i think we did one or two like we took a boat out one day and you know we had like a, a lazy sunday we took a boat out and did some island hopping and stuff like that but yeah it's an incredible place i want to go back there when i'm not working you know? yeah i've also heard there's like a really big sort of vegan like culture there as well in thailand my friend was there uh and same time actually as you end of last year and um she said that like the variety was incredible it's all fresh like it's all there for you yeah i didn't i didn't struggle at all no. i think i mean we went to one night we went to like uh oh, one of our managers came out to thailand to make sure we weren't just fucking around and spending loads of the label's money um which is basically just our money as well um <laughs> and uh he came out and was like i was like oh there's an italian place apparently which is really good which is so strange but and because it was like of this time of year it was it was completely dead minus some of the locals so we had like the run of this place and it was we had like this really like it's like an old Italian family they've been there for like 20 years but they went out there bought this place incredible food um that was the only night that I kind of struggled with my veganism in terms of you know fresh pasta you know it's got eggs it's got the butter it's got all that sort of stuff um so they ended up making me some pretty like interesting well it's just tomato and vegetables pizza which was absolutely fine but um other than that in terms of going around actually thailand and finding restaurants wasn't really a problem and as i said yeah. we ate basically at the studio every day because we were mm. living there you know it was like a an old resort that had been specced up to have a studio in one of the big rooms and then it was like essentially five six hotel rooms so sounds fabulous yeah, great. Speaking of Sucker Punch, um, you guys have recently collaborated with Lou's Brews, which yep. is a, a artisanal hot sauce brand. I am a huge hot sauce fiend, so this is well up my street. It's yep. sort of like a habanero base, which I'm very happy about because that's one of my favourite types of chilli. Talk to me. Why? How? Who? What? When? I'm excited. How hot yeah. can you go? All of the above. <laughs> so it's it's so Lou says that it's the um, Lou Bruce. It's the hottest one they've done. Um, uh, and I don't know if you've seen the packaging. I know I we're have. sending you one anyway, but yeah, it looks wicked. It's literally my head getting blown off. Um, <laughs> to be to be perfectly honest with you, Matt, our, our bassist, um, you know, came to us one day, been like, "Look, I've just seen this company. I've done this thing with one of our." friends tom begley uh he has a band called bosk and they did something cool with them he was like i think it'd be really cool to do a hot sauce as part of like the bundle album bundles and stuff like that and and it's it's yeah kind of is a continuation of that relationship that we have with doing something you know food wise but also being like vegan friendly and that our base is a massive massive um hot sauce guy he, he can he can take it all the way we have a series on our youtube about um something called matt and max's munchies <laughs> um and a lot of that is them going off and when we were taught america a lot going off and trying you know wing places you know or when they're in philly trying um the philly cheese steaks and that sort of stuff so 
Um, oh my god, it, I need to get him one of the crazy sexy food walks that I do, where yeah. I basically go around. Well, obviously it's on a on a bit of hiatus right now, but I basically go around London or wherever I am and like go and find like the best of something. And sure. so actually on the list is to do the best like wings. They need yeah. to come on that. Or you yeah, need to come love- as well. You all need to come basically. Yeah, they'd love that for sure. Yeah. I mean, you know what? It's funny, like with hot sauce, I feel like you kind of like fall into two camps with it. Like I, I'm obsessed with it. Like I, I, I'm known back in the day to, this sounds quite basic, but I used to carry Tabasco in my handbag because I didn't want to get caught short if I like went to a restaurant, if I was traveling and the food just wasn't like tasty. Um, and then you kind of have that other group of people that are like, I appreciate chili, but I feel like you putting the hot sauce on like removes all the taste and um, and like the hard work that's been put into the dish. It's not like I'm dousing the food in in chili, but I feel like actually it kind of like helps the flavor somewhat. Yeah. And I think I it also do. depends, I guess, what you're eating. You know, like mm. I'm not going to eat Mexican food without hot sauce. Like it, it's, it goes hand in hand. Yeah, for sure. I hear. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I'm I'm. I'll put like sriracha on avocado on toast. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, I never used to be big on, on like spicy food. And then I don't know if, I think a few years ago, I just sort of really started getting more into like my Thai food and my Mexican food and food with real, like rich flavors and like mm. not beige food, you know, like food with real character. And yeah, that's when the hot sauce came out for me as well. So I completely agree with you. I think, I don't think, I don't think it's doing, um, a disservice to the food that's on your plate to be honest you're just adding it's no biggie it's no biggie small <laughs> what is your favorite hot sauce aside from your own obviously uh, uh, well to, that's it that i only have one favorite hot sauce and that's the <laughs> front, uh unit six hot sauce which Good is answer. available on uh, december 7th to just december 7th and where can people get it from from uh, they can exclusively and only order it through our website which I believe is umit6.com. Okay. Um, and it's part of, at the moment, we're, we're limiting it at the moment to 200 and it's going to be part of like a, a pre-order bundle for the album. Um, and if those go well and they sell well, um, then there's obviously scope to, you know, to, to do something a little bit more, uh, a little bit extra with it. But that's where it's at, at the moment. But uh, I tried it and it's, it's very good. Is it very hot? It's very hot. It's very good. Good. Do you like truffles by any chance? Truffles? Yeah. Like, do you t- do you like the taste of truffles? Truffle, like like truffle oil and stuff. Like yeah, that. yeah, 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 yeah. So there's um, I was just given um a couple months ago this new truffle sauce that's coming out by a brand called Truff. It's truffled hot sauces, and they come like hot, Ooh. hotter um they're atrociously priced at some stupid kind of money but if you were to ever like sideline and virgin to another hot sauce aside from your own i i definitely recommend it okay nice <laughs> okay cool i like that um i recently had nile rogers on the podcast a few weeks ago and obviously you know oh it was amazing it was amazing do you know what he is a huge foodie massive i mean he was like he kind of was like blowing me away like talking to me about all these like crazy concoctions he was making at home and obviously you know like he's the king of disco and everything and he he speaks about this really interesting sort of 
method called his deep hidden meaning when he's writing a song mm-hmm. and he sort of like goes by it like throughout his life and it's obviously done him pretty well um in terms of like if he can feel that deep hidden meaning whilst he, whilst he's writing whilst he's recording he kind of i think he kind of like subconsciously knows he's like onto a winner and i wondered kind of like in terms of you and and the band you know when composing and writing a song like how does the process go for you like do you have kind of like a rule that you sort of stick by or is it all very very organic it's really like every single song has the capacity to be written and delivered in a completely different way to be honest with you um there's some songs like if we take sucker punch the record for example there's some songs that we were all there for and wrote in the same room and then there's songs that people brought in you know a riff or a finished body of work people added to put their own flex on whatever but I mean, we used to, historically, we used to all get in, uh, when we were making a record, we'd all get in um, a large writing space together, like a large live room, and just jam, basically. And as we've gotten older, and as the sort of, the turnaround of things have had to be quicker, like, we we do a lot of writing on the road as well. Um, So we have, like, a studio that we take with us, a studio setup, sorry. Um... And so a lot of the stuff is done on computers, to be honest, to start off with, um, because you kind of get a skeleton for an idea that way quite quickly. You can get sort of, you know, rather than having to plug in and play and record everyone individually to get a demo, you can get a reasonably good demo just from, you know, putting it all together on your laptop and your keyboard and one or two plugins. So um, it really, really depends. Like we have a, a new song on our... Uh, a song on our new record called, called Glasgow, which was just a song that I'd been sitting on that I'd written just in my house with a good guitar, went in, played the lads a song, and I was like, I think you should try this, you should try that. We played it through like two or three times, went, cool, that's a song done. That doesn't really happen like that as much for us anymore. Um, you know, whether it's me doing that or bring somebody else bringing something in. So it really depends, to be honest. Um but one thing I seem to know for sure is that you meet six only sound like you meet six when everyone's on there, you know? So it doesn't matter how the idea gets brought in. It's, it's about how it gets brought to life. And that's the really sort of important part um, for us as a band. Well, best of luck with the album in January. So I finish my chats with a few quick fire questions. Are you ready? Cool. Yeah, let's go for it. So my favorite snack in the entire world is a packet of crisps what's your favorite flavor of crisps and why there's a company called lentils they do like they do like sour cream and chive are they the like the lentil chips that like like they're made of lentils yeah that or they're made of i think they're one of the or is it was it called the company called hummus or something i'm not sure yeah 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 yeah. i know exactly i've got them downstairs (laughs) bigger one yeah they're they're pretty decent that that with any sort of guac or avocado. You need um, to try the chili and lemon ones. Okay. Yeah, like. I've, I've tried, no, I've tried them. i tried them. Love. What is the craziest food you've ever eaten? Back in the day, um, when we were touring Australia, we had a barbecue at one of our friend's house. And that day was, I think everything was on the menu. Crocodile, kangaroo, 
emu. Oh my god! Snake. I think. Whoa. I don't think. I don't think I ate the snake. I know I ate the. I know for a fact I ate the crocodile and the kangaroo, and the emu. And I was like, okay, cool. That's me. <laughs> that's me. Done. I've actually heard that crocodile isn't that bad. Is it quite tough? Yeah, it's kind of like from what I remember, it was quite quite chickeny. Um, yeah, Ooh, I, don't, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't recall me going back for a second bite. No, no, I can't imagine. It was more like a novelty thing. Mm. What has been your most memorable meal? So it's one or two things. It's either my mum's um, salmon and mushroom risotto, um, which was just obscene. Um, always, always one that I always think about even now. Or my grandmother. Um, she used to make a apple crumble, which was just, you know, like recipes been passed down for like four generations and better sequoid in Wales. And she's brought it over and just, just, yeah, just used to just take me to a different dimension. It was, yeah. Nice. Special, special food. Food with love in it, you know? Mm. What is your favorite food? Or it could be a favorite meal or a favorite cuisine. Favorite meal from like, when I was literally a kid was spag bowl and it's just carried on even now with the meat substitutes and stuff, the plant-based substitutes, it's always been spag bowl will always be spaghetti. I'm never going to not want spaghetti bolognese. Like it's just never for it me. Probably, it probably feels like home for you as well. Like it's comforting. Yeah. A hundred percent. Um, I think that's probably why it's one of the only things I can really cook. <laughs> yeah. um, but at least you perfected it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And finally, live to eat or eat to live? I'd probably go with live to eat because nice. I think, as I said, like food is food has always been a massive part of my life other than the fact that I enjoy eating it. I enjoy everything that comes with it. I enjoyed like the sort of the feeling of like learning about a person or a place. Uh, I enjoy the experiences that uh, that come from being around a table with people the conversation that comes with that food for me isn't just saying I pick up eat and then run off again you know it's kind of like I, you know even even now during this lockdown period where even if I've had this a conversation and spoken non-stop to my girlfriend all day because we're literally inside each other's pockets when it comes to eating we're still like like right should we sit and eat the table and put some music on or should we sit and put on a film and eat there or whatever there's always something that goes alongside it. it's never just you know so I think in that sense yeah definitely live to eat perfect answer Josh thank you so much I no think way. that they need to get you up into parliament with the powers that be so that you can start talking some sense about climate change and all the other bits and pieces that need to uh, change in this world you can follow Josh on social media at Josh Franceschi IVI, and also please follow the band at You Me at Six Official. That's the one. Josh, thank you. You've been an absolute pleasure. Until next time. Thank you very much for your time. Cheers. Thank you for listening this week. If you love what you hear, please subscribe and leave a lovely review. And if you can't get enough of me, follow me on Instagram at Crazy Sexy Food and do visit the Crazy Sexy Food YouTube channel where there are plenty of shows for you to watch. Until next time, bye.